0: Fascinating gadgets, gizmos, and gear-based technologies. Welcome to F Triple BT. This is the show that takes your favorite fictional science and technology and makes it a reality. Now, I don't do that alone. I'm part of the Brain Trust. I am the analytical mastermind, Daniel J. Glenn, and I've got the physics phenom, Dr. Michael Denon with me. How are you doing, Dr. Denon? I am doing great. Excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here. Uh, and of course, we can't do this by ourselves. We've got technology uh, that we have to explain. We need an engineer to do that. How about an enigmatic engineer, a man broadcasting from an undisclosed location, Ben Siepser, How are you doing, Ben? I'm doing great, Dan. So this is this is our part 2 for the Watchmen. We are going to talk about basically everything that Dr. Manhattan had his hands on including Dr. Manhattan. One of the things we briefly touched on about this series, what I loved about it is it's this alternate history basically from 1985. I guess more than that. This is I don't know when the timeline as to Doc the to quote Doc Brown. I don't know where it's skewed into this tangent. But somehow we got this alternate universe of 1985 when we see the original series and of alternate ni- 2019 when we see the television show. Uh, we get this alternate 1985 in the movie and this alternate 2019 in the TV show. But it's got me thinking about alternate realities. This is a very popular theme for pop culture. Uh, what, if you guys could pick one moment in history, it doesn't matter when, where you could change the outcome of an event... What would it be, and why, uh, Denny? I'm gonna go with you first.
1: Well, I've, I have. I'm gonna go way back. I've always been fascinated by the Roman Empire, and mm. I never quite get why the Western half failed and the Eastern half stayed so much longer. Hmm. And what really would have happened had you know the Romans sort of repelled the Germans at that point? Maybe took that moment. It went the other way and they expanded one more time mm-hmm. um, and included Germany at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, what would have happened to history, you know, moving forward because so much of Western science technology that's kind of infiltrated and spread around really seemed to have happened because Rome fell and then a bunch of other things came out of the chaos afterwards.
2: Hmm. Yeah
1: so without Rome falling, what would that have meant? Right. You know, it's a it's an interesting question.
0: I wonder about that. Like if it, exi- list, it existed like another four, 500, 500 years. Yeah. Like that. Or what if it even never fell, just kept expanding, right? Well, yeah. Now, I would argue that I think the fall of the Roman Empire had a lot to do with a lot of different things. Um, Definitely. Definitely. But, there was a but, lot going on. Yeah, but if they had fixed some of those problems, what if they had been able to continue on? I think yeah. that's an interesting history. What do you th- so you you what do you think would have changed? What's one thing you think would have changed?
1: Well, I I really wonder what would have happened to the the delay or non delay of development of technology because mm. they were very engineering focused but not very science focused,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? And and at the moment in time, you know, they had more than enough people. I've read very interesting articles where they had just enough slave labor that they didn't need an industrial revolution. That a lot of it had to come with the (laughs) the black plagues and and the sudden decrease in Mm. population really drove us to get inventive in Western Europe.
0: Oh, I see. Right. Yeah. You
1: know, when you don't have people to do stuff, you have to kind of come up with new ways. Now, there still may have been a Black Death, but I don't know. And would they have, like, rediscovered a republic at some point? Right. <laughs> or would they have stayed sort of this autocratic
0: government? Yeah. I, it's a lot to think about because they are so influential on at least Western society. I exactly. Think that, that is a really interesting question. How would that have worked? And the ripple effect would have been profound for sure. Ben, what about you? What's your favorite moment in history you want to change?
2: So, I'm going to go back one ancient civilization to the Greeks and the last library of Alexandria. <laughs> you gonna go one back
0: i'm gonna do you one back. He's gonna do you one better than
2: it uh-huh. so uh, what i would would what would be amazing to me is if the library of alexandria had never been sacked oh, and destroyed that's a great one uh, and we had never lost that knowledge right. and you know where would our much like with the roman empire where would our knowledge be if the greek empire had survived and maintained its knowledge base throughout the middle ages hmm. i mean would there have been a middle ages much like you know, similar story with the Romans, Empire Falling.
0: That's a really interesting question. That's a great one because I think that is probably one of the greatest atrocities to history itself, at least in the history of humanity, was losing the Library yeah. of Alexandria, uh, just all the knowledge of, of so many years. That is that is a big one. I really, that's a great one. Uh, I, I'm going to go. I'm going to keep it really modern and... and Probably a little dark, but I think that, which is what I like to do, uh, I I really think I would love to see what would have happened if John F. Kennedy was not assassinated, if he had avoided assassination. Mm -hmm. I think that really turned the United States took a really strange turn from that point forward and I, there was this great book you know you mentioned stephen king dr den i think we've yes. talked about our mutual love of stephen king currently reading one of his books now but he wrote this great one 11 uh, 2263 which is about alternate realities about quantum timelines which would have worked perfectly with our our previous episode Rickle in time but just this idea of what would happen if they had stopped the assassination i wonder what america would be like and i don't i don't know what the answer is that's a I like that one. You know what I like about that, Dan? People
1: will, I hear much more often people saying, well, what if um, Lincoln wasn't assassinated? Mm -hmm. Right? That's certainly Mm -hmm. talked about a lot and speculated on a lot. Um, But I
0: haven't, I'm sure people speculate a lot on what if Kennedy hadn't been assassinated. But that's the first I've heard it. Yeah, I, I think, you know, Lincoln's a great one. But Lincoln did a lot of very important things and then was assassinated
1: right exactly and right.
0: so his his you know the great emancipator that that moniker had already stuck and he had already done some some great things at that point kennedy was really kind of getting going and i think the country didn't take a weird turn when lincoln was shot I mean, the Civil War was happening, but we got over the Civil War and we tried to repair and we tried to, you know, there was there was a progress forward. You know, you can't look at it from modernized. You got to look at it from, you know, at the time. But with Kennedy, there was just this weird, you know, right down the tubes that we can ripple effects from today that that extend from that particular point in time.
2: Um, But but anyway, yeah, well, it's interesting. Well, what I what I really think about with Kennedy is would we have gone to the moon? Mm-hmm, right, like going to the moon was kind of a, like a legacy thing for Kennedy because it was his, you know, it was his speech, and we kind of did it because he got killed. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. And and I wonder if if we would have had the strength as a nation without that tragedy to follow through. Right.
0: Would we? Would it have gotten caught up in bureaucratic red tape if he had actually been yeah. around? Would his <laughs> yeah. political so, adversaries so have stalled it? Yeah, in in Congress yeah. at some point. Uh, that's interesting. I mean, that's really, really interesting. So I think these are three great examples. This, I, I So I love that idea for this alternate world in The Watchmen, and I think they do a great job of really kind of creating it. Uh, not as well as Fringe. I think Fringe did a really great job. I always talk about Fringe, but they did a great job of creating alternate realities that were really, truly different. But this one had a very unique feel as well, but it also had a lot of like touchstones where you could really feel like it was still kind of like our world but a little different. Uh, one of the most unique people in this world, both in the Watch world and the TV series, is Dr. Manhattan my favorite character and I think he's actually so crucial and so difficult and so unique as a character and a superhero that just his presence is difficult to capture on screen and I think when they tried to introduce him in the tv series uh, much like the Kennedy assassination I think that this tv series took a real dive when they tried to (laughs) introduce him as a character but let's talk about this really quickly his origin story has always been interesting to me So from a physics standpoint, is it possible to disintegrate someone and have them reintegrate into something better?
1: No and yes. Okay. okay. Uh, (laughs) So from the physics point of view, what this comes down to, unfortunately, is metaphysics. What's consciousness? Mm -hmm. So if we assume that consciousness is more than just the collection of your brain cells, Mm -hmm. um, which I happen to be on that side, then I think Dr. Manhattan is an awesome and shockingly- clever way to get at this whole why do you get superpowers with radiation the number one problem with superpowers from any sort of radiation or energy-based thing i know this isn't quite radiation but it's this energy-based disintegration idea is Mm. that long before your superpower can help you you're dead for most superhero origin stories right dr manhattan it's because his consciousness still exists that he uses that to bring himself back together now that may not be the language they use but that's what i would point out Um, And there's some cool philosophers at at UCI that kind of look at this, and it's a very interesting direction to go. I can come back to it maybe. But fundamentally, I say no because straight pure physics, not going to do it. Yes, because if your consciousness is separate in any way from the material world, you've Mm -hmm. got a shot at this.
0: Okay, interesting. So, if if we have a shot at it, how is an intrinsic field generator a real thing, Ben, or is this is this the way to really break us down into our fundamental particles?
2: Well, it's it's got a page on the Watchman Wiki, so it's got to be a real thing, right? Got to be. What what I think is interesting about it is this idea of the intrinsic field subtractor, right? So it's this thing that it takes away the fields of all of your atoms of your cells. So we know from particle physics that there are electric fields, you know, str- you know, strong forces, weak forces, nuclear forces, all this stuff that kind of holds everything that is us together. Mm-hmm. And so you could imagine something that like disintegrates all of those, you know, atomic forces, and allows you to, you know, go to the ether, mm-hmm. or well, not the ether, but allows all your <laughs> Close enough, you know, right? all your yeah. atoms to. Uh, you know, whisk away. Then, yeah, I think what what Denon was talking about with this, you know, you know, call, call it a soul, call it a you know consciousness outside of your body. You know, if if that was in some way capable of then pulling everything back together, or it it might not even have to be the same cells, right? It could just be any old matter mm-hmm. that it reassembles into the shape of what your human form had been. Mm-hmm. You know, Doctor Manhattan is capable of you know growing and shrinking. So clearly, he's able to pull in mm-hmm. other ma- matter into his body.
1: Right. And and one thing, right? If I if I recall from my research correctly, mm-hmm. in the original, he he comes back slowly, mm-hmm. and right. people think yes, he's a ghost. It takes a right? while. So really, what you're doing here is all of these fundamental particles and forces and fields are just a particular occurrence of the wave function.
0: Okay.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Let's just say it that way, right? The wave function wave function just exists. It describes the state that you're in. So essentially, the normal state, your human body goes away in this process. But if your consciousness is there, we know from quantum mechanics that what you get has to take an observer, mm-hmm. right? Until you have an observer and a measurement, you don't know the state that you're actually in. And so I, I would argue this is an example of Dr. Manhattan figuring out how to be pure consciousness and be that observer that creates the reality he wants. Hmm. And again, making that connection
0: to our Rick and Morty shows. Mm-hmm. Right. Go back, review those episodes. The physics
2: <laughs> are all there. <laughs>
0: it's all there. Well, this was, you know, and this is why I think he's, you know, I thought they did a great job in the, in the original comic book making him kind of distant from humanity. I really right think now. that once you are at this point, and, you know, he turns away Silk Spectre, and, and he kind of turns his back on humanity because she's the only connection to humanity. And I really right. like that almost as his like secret weakness, you know, that yes. he has the power to save us, but he doesn't care. And he doesn't yeah. care because of his superpowers. Because, you know, like it's this yeah. very, really cool dichotomy. He's beyond it. He's all. one of the yeah. only people who's all
1: powerful that almost makes sense and works. But if right. you recall, Dan, I believe it was that apathy that may have made him lose in fascinating fights. <laughs>
0: No, I think so. Yeah, and and I think you're right. And but th- th- and it's also that concept that I loved so much that I thought they botched on the TV show because I didn't believe for one second that he would fell in love with Angela or anybody. And I think they yeah. really that was a real stretch just from a story standpoint. I actually thought the actors did a great job. I think they were handed yeah. w- in what, in my opinion, was an incredibly difficult task I just didn't believe a word of it from episode 8 on I just didn't believe the relationship I didn't believe Dr. Manhattan would care I just didn't believe any of it which was and that that was just so it was just I just thought I just think he's just such a perfect character but on that on that note what they did do with him that was interesting I'm not going to say how I feel about it cuz I don't know how I feel about it but I'm talking to, we're going to just just take a step from technology just for a second cuz I think this is an interesting opportunity to talk to you Denon about something that is unique to you something that you do outside of technology and that is this connection between religion and science right. which you do so well and you know I, I, the religious connections in from Dr. Manhattan and the things he talks about they're they're not subtle <laughs> they're almost <laughs> like right in your face to the point where true has stigmata when the squid falls through her hand when right. uh, the end. <laughs> um, but you have you know just a couple of quick ones you know, we're going to talk about terraforming when he goes to Europa, right? He creates a world. He creates an Adam and Eve. He's, you know, he's obviously a god. Does he have, what is what is free will? You know, you and I talked about that. He's very Jesus-like. He's a human on earth, you know. Uh, Angela eats the egg, and we don't know if he gets his powers, but he's able to basically take you know, his his essence and turn it into a food, which is not dissimilar right. to communion, Eucharist, the blood and the wine, the you know, the bread and the and the body. Uh, you know, and again, I mentioned the stigmata, transferring all this power. So there's a lot of religious overtones. Did you see that? Were you caught in the science? Uh, what did you think about that? So,
1: yes, it, it's definitely all there. In this particular case, I think um, I was more intrigued by this consciousness and free will part okay. as a focused element. Yeah. I mean, look, there's a lot of Christ symbol and lots of different things. Sure. It shows yeah. up often. Yeah. Right. And so, okay, I I feel like maybe they were trying to use that to counter this apathy issue uh-huh. that you're yeah. talking about. Mm. And, and, and the one short comment I'll make on that is, you know, in a man who lives in every universe and multiple times and experiences everything, maybe there's one out of the bazillion where he you know, gives up his apathy and falls in love with someone, Dan. So we just happen to watch the most rare of Dr. Manhattan existences. <laughs> That's all. Right. You know, right. Yeah. it was highly unlikely, yeah. but it happened once.
2: Right. What I think is really interesting when you bring up the free will is that how can a man who knows everything have free will? Like it's like he can't make any choices because the choices have already been made for him because he's already experienced Mm -hmm. the future. Mm -hmm. Like he has to just play the part. Well, that's, you know, it's interesting, Mm -hmm.
1: Ben, because, you know, people often bring that up and in a slightly different way, they say, how can we have free will if God knows everything? Um, That's an easy one to answer. Just because somebody else knows what does happen doesn't mean you didn't make the choice yourself. It's just, you know, you haven't made it yet, but you're going to. And, And the fact that somebody knows has no impact on whether you've made the choice, but for a God or God himself, or for in this case, Dr. Manhattan, that's an interesting question, right is what is will when you've actually acted all of your will already?
2: Yeah, or it's all acting simultaneously or all <laughs>
1: simultaneously. And I think that's, like that's the cool physics here. Mm-hmm. you know Dan, you asked like what kind of you know excited me is, what does it mean to be outside of time? We're, we only as creatures can only think about time. But time is just another dimension, like space. In mm-hmm. principle, space and time exist as you know a structure, and we happen to be moving through it. But that means there's the possibility of existing outside of it. And what does that actually look like? is I think some really cool physics
0: yeah and i and I think w- w- one of the other things I forgot to mention is he is omnipresent he's omniscient he's, yep. he's 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 present in every time at the same time which is which is just makes for some very interesting conversations, but even the thing I love about him and to Ben's point is that he doesn't know he knows the answer to a question. But he doesn't quote unquote know it. I'm using air quotes until it is told to him, right? And then people say like, "Well, you just told me that," and he's like, "Well, I didn't know until you told me." But since I know that you told me, I can now use and go forward backwards in time because I'm, right. a, you know, it's this very like mind blowing concept. Yeah. It really uh, is. But but it's it's. What what I like about that
1: is... Oh, can I tell you one thing about that, though, Dan, real quick? Sure. It's how I feel every time I watch a movie the second time. Okay. Like a really, really, really good movie. It okay. has to be a great movie. Yeah. The second time where I want the character to you do something different. You feel like a god, different. right? <laughs> well, no, you like, you really want... You're like, this time, come on just do it differently
0: this time right. and you
1: believe they might right. and
0: then they don't and then they don't <laughs> i have that too i know exactly what you mean i do have that too it is funny but it, but it brings an interesting point to come back to technology right here's what's cool about that is i thought they came up with a really clever way to eliminate all that which they did in 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 some previous previous episodes and also i think in the in the in the comic book as well is they use tachyons and this little disk that they put into his head mm-hmm. which basically shut out all of that somehow i like that as a concept does it does the technology hold up ben what what do you think about that
2: it's tough because we don't have a great sense of how his brain works but i do like the idea of turning off his powers through memory right like Mm, it was really mm. interesting that adrian's talking about oh you, you still have a brain right you still work with the brain if we just make you forget you're a superhero right Then you'll be a human, like that's that's fascinating to me.
0: Mm -hmm. Like he doesn't he has the powers but doesn't know how to use them. Yeah, be like you
2: know, unless in an emergency, right? Right. Like it's reflexive. Like it'd be the same thing with Superman. Like if you made Superman forget he was a superhero, he'd just be a normal guy until he like has to jump out of the way and somehow he can jump. You know, right over the building. And when he opens a
0: refrigerator, he pulls it across the <laughs> yeah. room, and he's not 100 percent sure right. why that happens. Yeah. Uh, so, but, but now from a science standpoint, then, and d- does the tachyon thing? Does that work? Does that? Uh... If
1: anything's going to work, that's going to work. It really depends on how. So we haven't detected tachyons yet. We don't know if they're real or not, but they are a valid physics um, proposal, mm-hmm. and they do basically travel backwards in time because they actually go faster than the speed of light. Um, very. Um, interesting physics with the tachyons Mm -hmm. Um, and because of this sort of propagating backwards you could imagine it's a thing that messes with his power to see into the future like it's an interference Mm -hmm. effect basically Mm -hmm. a wave traveling backwards meets the wave traveling forwards and interferes a lot depends on how his experience of time really works is it really that he's lived forward already all of it and he's remembering it or is he somehow outside of it Um, Personally, I don't buy it as a way to weaken his power completely. Hmm. But if you're going to do anything in physics, that's what you would quote is tachyons.
0: And they would work somehow. I I love, and just to close on that, I love the moment where they basically pull it out of his head. Because it's this moment where you're like, because she just got off the nostalgia. Angela just got off the nostalgia. You don't know if her memories are her own or what's going to happen and right. and that's a really cool scene where she's gonna whack this guy in the head and pull something out of his brain. And you're like, what is happening? Did she just? You know, I, I, that's a great moment in the TV show. So let's talk yeah. about his work. You know, we we, we t- you know he goes to Europa. He creates kind of like a force field that's almost like an Eden. Uh, let's talk yeah. about terraforming, even on like that small level. How? Uh, what? What is? What is going on here? And how is this possible? And is Europa a good place to do that? Uh Ben I'm gonna go to you first,
2: yeah, well, Europa is a great place, so Europa is a moon of Jupiter, uh as we hear many times in the show right um and Europa has water uh it has it's frozen for the most part, although there might be water underneath um in oceans you know covered by ice mm-hmm. um The cool thing about Jupiter is the tidal forces on Jupiter are so strong that they it squishes the moons. Into having kind of heat on the inside, purely through you know the friction of the the planet kind of squeezing in and out. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's potentially warm. It's it's not warm enough, obviously, to melt the surface ice. But you know, Doctor Manhattan's like you know a nuclear bomb all in the man. So he's right. got the energy to to get the heat you need. <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> to, yeah. To to you know, and then once you got that heat, all you really need is you know. I, I don't think we have a good idea of what the say mineral content is on Europa. If it has, you know, all the minerals we have on earth that you kind of need for life. Does it have iron? Does it have nitrogen? Does it have, you know, all, all these different, you know, bits of chemicals, bits of uh, elements, but you know, he can synthesize lithium. So, you know, why can't he synthesize all those other things too? Right. So, you know, he could make all the stuff you need and then, put a little heat in and yeah you got that you got it going what would be really interesting is does it last mm-hmm. one of the problems with terraforming mars is that because of the lack of a molten core there's no magne- magnetosphere there's mm-hmm. no magnetic field around mars and so any air you add to mars would just get blown away and potentially the same thing would happen on europa as well you can't really make a long term terraforming unless maybe dr manhattan's always going back and you know fixing it up a little bit. right?
1: Yeah. I think, Dan, for, for your question, you know, there's sort of two parts to it. There's the question of, can Dr. Manhattan terraform something? And there's the question of, how would you terraform something?
0: Sure, right. <laughs> right. And yeah, I like yeah, kind yeah. of what
1: Ben alluded to. Part of it is, um, how long would it take to transform it if you weren't using Dr. Manhattan's power? Mm-hmm. But then, is it stable? Right? Does the planet, like, how much do you have to mess with the planet or the moon to, mm-hmm. to get things to radically... Um, yeah. to st- be stable and staying? Do you need to create a magnetic field yourself or is that already there at least, right? And yeah. what are you going yeah. to do? And Europa, I, I, I like, as Ben pointed out, it's it's a place we're looking for signs of sort of basic organic or life now, mm-hmm. um, possibly, just yeah. because of this combination of in water and some heat. So it, it's it's obvious why... For, if nothing else, nostalgic reasons, he would pick Europa right. because, you know, <laughs> it's a place we've looked at closely in our timeline, so there would be resonances of right. that into yeah. his timeline.
0: Well, and one yeah. of the key things you need for, for any terraforming is you need an atmosphere, or at least we think we do, for for human life. Yeah. We're basically saying we're, t- we're creating a planet with the conditions of Earth so that humans can live on it. Right. Uh, one of the tricks yeah. here is, you know, as you mentioned, the atmosphere is key, but I think if we were to do this biologically, like to have to things to bring things to these other planets, our biology on Earth is so in tune with the nuances of Earth itself. I think that would be very difficult to sustain non-mechanically, non 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 non-biologically, right like to sustain it biologically.
1: I'm gonna slightly disagree with you Dan. okay. because um, it would it would it would be different but biology is, has a shocking ability to create feedback loops to make itself sustainable. Hmm. Um, yeah. you would, it would take a lot to jumpstart it. I agree with you that you'd have to do a lot of work to get to the point where those are in place, mm-hmm. right? And you would end up with slight differences as, as the biology adjusted to the nuances. So it wouldn't look exactly like Earth. But what, what we always forget is the wide range of conditions humans already live in right. across this planet. And I don't know that we've fully tested the limits at which we can push ourselves. You know, I mean, living in the Sahara Desert is nothing like living in Alaska, and yet Mm -hmm. humans live in both. And it's nothing like living in the jungles of, you know, either South America or Africa. So if we just want humans and we don't care about the exact biodiversity we have now, Mm -hmm. I think you've got a better shot at it.
0: We are the ultimate invasive yeah. species. We do adapt, we and we will, we will take over whatever you land us on. So one of the cool things I like is after he terraforms this, he creates, you know, we just did an episode on fast-growing clones, but I wanted to touch on the clones in this particular show because I think they're really mm-hmm. unique, and the way he kind of grows them in the bottom of a lake, they almost grow like plants in a way. And and mm-hmm. there's some really cool real-life stuff here. There's an immortal jellyfish called the T. de horni. And basically, it's immortal. Now this creature can revert from an adult back into the polyp stage. It lives in water. It it turns into polyps that are genetically identical clones. So you have everything you need here. It can basically, it's the only thing we know that's, that's truly immortal in a way. I like this idea. It's in the water. It's, it's already, you know, I think a lot of these, the characteristics we're looking for are, are already in the water. I like that. And also, this is brand new information. There's the first animal that does not require oxygen. It is called the H. Uh, salmonicola. And this is also a nadir, and this is also a jellyfish-like creature that doesn't require oxygen. There's really interesting biology on how we can grow Underwater things from you know from youth and up and, and cloning. I think there's a lot of stuff here that makes this particular this particular approach to cloning very unique and very interesting. I would add something else
1: to that, Dan. I would add
0: creepy. <laughs> very much so.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think it goes beyond unique and interesting. But you're, you're right that it does um, sort of come from and, and connect with the, the the type of life forms we see or ready as clones, which are these sort of fundamentally in the water based um, life forms. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think there's other cloning examples effectively um, in the plant um, mm-hmm. world. And you had mentioned, you know, the idea that growing like plants, but underwater. Um, mm-hmm. I had not known, I hadn't really thought about the jellyfish examples you gave or jellyfish like mm-hmm. examples, but I was thinking very much like plants growing as clones, only it's, it's apparently people.
0: Right. Like you're thinking more of the Body Snatchers type stuff. The yeah. Well, yeah, but, but starting with actual plants
1: that make clones of themselves, right, okay. like these forests that are all a single tree. I see, yeah. And things like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah like
0: ginger is supposed to be an immortal plant as well. Like it's a. It yeah. lived for a long period of time. Yeah, that's really interesting. Right. Uh, I, I just thought it was a really cool take on it. Um, and yeah. Ben, what do, what do you think about that incubator that basically takes the, the things in the steampunky like incubator
2: for that? Yeah. So. It was interesting. What I what I really liked about it is this idea that the clones are the clones just have a rapid development that kind of mirrors our our own development. Like there's the there's a point when he's walking around the clones and they can't speak yet, they can but they can understand. Mm -hmm. And that's just like babies. Like babies Mm -hmm. can understand before they can speak, Mm -hmm. but he's just accelerated that. The, the growth part of it rapidly. That part I thought was really interesting. yeah The other thing that I really liked about it is that humans, human growth is way more about learning than it is about the biology. Like there is something to, yeah, your bones got to grow, your muscles got to stretch, your ligaments got to kind of adjust to your new body shape. But a lot of that could be sped up and we'd probably be okay. Like we see the growth spurts that happen to, You know, kids during their teenage years Where you, you know, you grow a foot or two in a year Like, that's really fast Um, Obviously, this is much faster But again, what's important about human development Is the synapse connection It's the development of your brain It's Mm. way more important And that's really what takes the long time It's the 12 years of school that you go to That makes you into a fully adult human Much more so than, you know Growing up and going through puberty For a couple of those years Right. Right during that period. I've
0: gone through puberty in, in five minutes. Yeah. And in that
1: regard, having had kids who had gross spurts, yeah. the screaming is very realistic.
2: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Just,
1: yeah. yeah when, when, when you mentioned the growth spurts, bed, all I could think about is growing pains are a real thing and, yeah. and, and kids actually do feel extra pain in, in sort of their joints and bones. So mm, a little, yeah. little fun fact there for the audience. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I could definitely imagine the situation where you just shove a bunch of calcium and iron and everything else into a human and yeah you can grow them up pretty quick but their brains aren't going to be there yeah
0: and that's what's kind of interesting in this is you're almost giving them all this information that so i don't know if it like if it's in the pod when they're like in the under you know when they're like the cabbage patchy type kid under underwater are they you know is the brain kind of fully what, what's going on there it's really interesting question. i don't
2: even think it's there yet because they come out of the pod and they can't even talk yet right yeah. yeah, I just wanted to know why the thing spun
1: at all. That seemed like wasted theatrics. There's
0: no such thing as wasted theatrics, Denon.
2: Well, no, you wanna you want us you need the artifact. You want extra gravity to like stretch the limbs faster. Uh, uh, like if it's very
0: Willy Wonka. You like you. Okay, you, yeah, thank thank you, Ben.
1: I, I like the extra gravity. I'll give you that one. Uh,
0: so I'm gonna really quickly. So there, there's a there's a hibernation aspect here. We're running out of time here, but I wanted to add one thing because we did a whole episode on carbonite freezing, and they basically cover Adrian in gold and transport him. You know whatever. It's a su- yeah. suspended animation, but just recently there's techniques. We talked about this, basically using induced hypothermia. There are actually techniques where people are using for trauma victims, and, and there's there there's some uh, doctors who are basically using. Ice cold saline uh, to cool the brain down and to cool the body down to stop the heart in order to have a couple extra minutes to do extra surgery. This isn't being used necessarily for long distance travel, but something like this. Uh, you know, this is this is the interesting the the use of this induced hypothermia in a practical sense, that could then be possibly used for long-distance travel because you stop all the metabolic processes. Uh, I just thought that was a really interesting addition to that. But finally, before we go, I want to quickly talk about the cage that Dr. Manhattan's in that basically stops his powers. How does this work, and is it similar to a Faraday cage? I'm going to say, no, it doesn't work, Dan. But (laughs) this is
1: my physics moment that you had with the plot moment. Yeah. Um I love the idea of trying to trap him. I love implying it's a Faraday like a Faraday cage. Yeah. I guess I I'm I'm willing to grant it when I stretch my, you know, sort of disbelief as right. far as it goes. Yeah. But this was the hardest one for me of all the tech in the show. I'm just going to go with that since we were short on time. But I do, you're right. Faraday Cage, if you're going to make an analogy, it would be Faraday Cage. And then you throw out words like synthetic lithium. But you know my view on anything synth- synthetic and artificial. Lithium is lithium is lithium. I don't care how you right. made it. <laughs> right.
2: Maybe it has a different crystalline structure or something. But yeah, why that would matter. What I, what I think is interesting about it is what if the cage is creating an intrinsic field Hmm. so it's like re it's basically regenerating the field that's holding all his atoms back together again Mm -hmm. rather than them being held together by his you know know, dr manhattan magic right
1: (laughs) oh actually you know what ben you just triggered something it's finally the wave function collapsing and all his apathy just came back
0: Right. Well, it's it's interesting. I mean, you know, one of the things I don't understand is they basically suck him up and they're going to put him into true... His energy's gone. He's been disintegrated. He's been disintegrated several times. I don't know why this time's different, and I don't know why, just because the spaceship crashes, he disappears and he's gone. I don't understand that. I'm very confused on that. But hopefully, uh, someone out there knows the answer to that, and you can tell us. Uh, you know, you can get a hold of the show if you want to start a conversation, if there's something you want to hear about. We're on Twitter at pod, and we're on Facebook at fggbt but you can also get in touch with us. We like to talk on social media. You know how active we are. I post a lot of stuff about science. And Denon, where can people find you if they want to get in touch with you? They can
1: find me at Denon Michael on Twitter and Instagram, and on Facebook it's at that prof p
0: r o f Denon Michael on Facebook. Prof Den and Michael. Ben, where can people find you?
2: Uh, they can find me on the major social media networks at b How do you spell that? That is B S I E P S E R.
0: And I am on the I am the analytical mastermind on Facebook, at the Daniel J. Glenn on Instagram, at Daniel J. Glenn on Twitter. Now we just gave you some insights into one of the most powerful beings in comic books, Dr. Manhattan. So please, more than other episodes, be responsible with this information, with this knowledge, with this technology, with this science. You want to be a superhero, not a supervillain. Until next time, thank you for listening. Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear Based Technologies is a Glencoe production and is produced by me, Daniel J. Glenn. The Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear Based Technologies Introduction was produced by Daniel J. Glenn and Paul Springers with music and sound design written and performed by Paul Springers. If you like this show, you got to subscribe. You don't want to miss an episode. We're on all the major platforms. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Spotify. You can find us there. You can also go to our website, f3gbt.com where you can also subscribe, but you can find links to each show where you can discover a couple different things. Number one, we talk about a lot of science and a lot of articles in real life stuff. You'll find links to that on every single show's individual website. But you'll also find the YouTube version. We got some video. We got some audio. It's all there. Incredible stuff. You can also find links to the social media in case you missed it when we said it. And if you like this show, you're going to like everything that I do. Go to DanielJGlenn.com to find out more. Thank you for listening.